Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise God. Good morning, everyone. You may be seated. I ask you to pray for me while I close for Sister Amy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, our lesson... Um, this quarter is on David and Solomon, but the lesson today is on David and Goliath. That's what we're going to study, and most likely, um, if you've been to church one time, you have heard of David and Goliath, um, but really and truly, uh, this lesson is not coming to church and hearing about this little dude taking out this big dude. It's what we can gain from the concept of what David did against Goliath with the Lord's help. And that's what it's about. It's not just coming here and about this story. Um, I've even heard where in the, well, I'll just read the two verses that it gives. It's in 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 46. And then, and then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day I will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thy head from thee, and I will deliver the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air, and into the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." Now, I have actually heard people, I wouldn't say make fun, but, but they use this phrase that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And they're saying, David is really believing this, that all the earth is going to know. But you go anywhere, most likely, and ask someone, and they've heard of David and Goliath. Because a lot of circumstances where someone or a situation is so big, and they're referring to themselves. That's the way it's viewed as a David and Goliath. So, but what I want to do before we get started, I want to jump back and just basically look at just a few verses before we get to this setting. And it's in 1 Samuel 10, and let's read 1 Samuel 10, 8 and 9. And this is Samuel the prophet. He's talking to Saul, and he gives him some instructions. And 1 Samuel 10, 8. Thou shalt go down before me, he speaking to Saul, to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peat offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And when all those signs came to pass that day, so here is Samuel. He tells him, basically, 
You go wait for me at the appointed place, and I'm going to show you what to do. So here is the prophet Samuel. And, and Samuel is filling a lot of roles. You, if you look up Samuel, he's got the prophet. He fulfills a priest. And the Bible even says he was fulfilled the, uh, the part of a judge, the Bible tells us, which I didn't know that. But um, so here is Samuel. He's talking to the king and he tells him, you go do this and I will show you what to do. So the king had a lot of authority, but his authority didn't go over the prophet. So he's telling him, and the Bible says, and when he turned, it's like when he turned his back to go from Samuel, when, when you look that up, that when he had turned, that is almost like to me, what, what, in my mind, what I would liken it to is when we repent, that God gave him another heart. Other words, something happened. When he had that connection with Samuel, it's just something changed in him. Everything was different. Saul had changed. In other words, uh, God did something in his life that you could mark it. You could mark the spot. In other words, when we come to God and you repent, people talk about the weight being lifted. In other words, your mind, you think clear. You think much better. What you liked before, you all of a sudden... You hate. So at this point, what I want us to get at this point, Saul was different. He walked different. He acted different. God gave him another heart. In other words, he was different. So he has this. So 1 Samuel 13, let's go there. 1 Samuel 13, and I'll read uh, 3 and 4. And Jonathan smote. Uh, now this time, two years has passed. Okay, Saul has been king for two years. And then uh, in verse 3 and 4, And Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all of Israel heard that, say that Saul had smitten a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel was... Um, had an abomination with the Philistines and that all the people was called together after Saul to Gigal. So he's been, God changed him, two years has passed, and all of a sudden Saul is saying, blow the trumpet throughout Israel. Brother Boyd quotes it a lot, if the trumpet give an uncertain sound. So he's blowing the trumpet of victory and he's telling all the people, I did it. It's his own son that defeated them. He wouldn't even give the credit till his own son. So what has happened? A lot apparently has happened in two years. We know that the Bible says that God gave him another heart. Now in two years, he's taken the credit from his own son. So he takes him and he gets there. And all of a sudden, this is where really it is going wrong. So we see there that it's happening and where the word abomination here is just I don't know how else to put it, but you look it up, it means stink. Other words, the Philistines just plainly says to the Israel, you just stink to us. So that's what it means, literally. I'm not trying to play on words. That's literally what it means. So when Saul blew the trumpet and says, I did this, well, he shouldn't have done that because I'm not going to read it, but when you read on in 13, it just starts going bad. 
So in the um, in nine and ten, okay, they gather. Philistines start together everywhere you look. All of a sudden, there was just a, a small portion. Now, it is just it is just like everywhere you look, there's Philistines, and they're ticked off. You shouldn't have blew that trumpet claiming you had victory over us. So now. Samuel the prophet said, go there, tarry seven days. But how, they, how can that be? It's two years later. Well, apparently Samuel had some kind of timeline with Saul. And it wasn't like go there, wait seven days. Apparently Saul knew the timeline. And so he gets there and he's looking around and all of a sudden, and he's blaming it on the prophet. Well, I've waited to the appointed time. And it's just like, if anybody understands this, I do. Because I am a time-oriented individual. And so Saul's looking around and saying, you know what? Seven days has come and Brother Boyd is not here. What do I do? And I look around and the enemy's everywhere. And, and then in that fleshly moment, Saul does the unthinkable Bring me the sacrifice and wait a minute. And then the king has absolute authority. If somebody would have spoke up and said, wait, wait a minute. You can't do that. You know what? Take him out and just kill him. Literally. He's got absolute authority. So I guess everyone was just so afraid to do that. So Saul said, bring me the sacrifices. It's been seven days. The prophet ain't here, so we'll just blame it on him. So they bring him in, and he does the unthinkable. The king didn't do that, so he does. He brings him the sacrifice. So he takes and nine, and Saul said, bring hither the burnt offerings to me, peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offerings. And it came to pass, <laughs> boy, life is just life. Verse 10, and it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of the offering of the burnt offerings, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. You know what? Everything's fine. I take it all back. You are the man of God. But he wasn't fooling nobody. He wasn't fooling nobody. It had went so wrong. And then uh, he just comes down and now... It is wrong. Just whatever happened. I'm just saying it just went wrong and it wasn't going right. Now, one thing that I want you to look at with me before I leave here, go to verse in the same chapter 13, go to verse 19. It had went way, way wrong. But in verse 19, it says, Now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistine says, let the Hebrews make them swords or spears. Not only did they just oppress, but they took all the swords that Israel had. So that's even, that even puts another light because they had superior weapons. How can you go out and defend yourself if all you have is your hands? You put your hand up and... You don't have a hand anymore. They, they, there was no blacksmith. 
They dominated the control of the, uh, the Smiths. There was no Smiths. So when Goliath was out on the ledge barking out, send me a man, what's it going to go out there with a stick? Literally, literally. So he's taken, and they control the, 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 the metals. So when David says this, we, we just read it. David said to the Philistine in verse 45 of 17, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield. You're coming to me with what you think is going to defeat me. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. See, David put it on what they thought they could win with. And in life, it just seems so obvious to us. We find ourselves in situations that we just think we cannot win. It just, it's just life is all the way up here and I'm all the way down here. We're thinking, you know what? If I try to defend myself, I'm just cutting half. God, how can I get out of this? And you know, David, he's going out there and he's looking, this, this can't happen. This just can't happen. I'm gonna read one more, one more verse and, and to show you. Uh, 1 Samuel 9.16 this order really uh, 9.16 now this is God uh, talking to Samuel tomorrow about this time I will send thee out of the man out of the land of Benjamin and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel listen that he may save the people out of the land of the Philistines for I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. Now he's talking about Saul. Saul, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you a man from the tribe of Benjamin. It's going to be Saul. It was Saul's responsibility. God chose him. God picked him. So he's, he's coming and God picked him. Now, we know that it's just, sometimes it just seems like that it, it is just, now, we know it's not uh, unusual in those times. It was regularly for a king to go out into battle. Most of the times in this, in this period, the king went to battle with the armies. And during this days of scripture, so it, it wasn't no surprise but why didn't Saul go to battle? And what is really unique is here is all the army that is setting up there. And Saul was the most likely one because the Bible says that he was shoulders from his shoulders and upward. He was higher than any other people. How ridiculous was it that Saul, when David come in there, and here's Saul, I don't know. I don't know what it must have been like. But all I know is that it couldn't have looked good. Because Saul had to be somewhat of a giant among himself. And here's this guy out on the ledge continually defying God. And they're just looking 
like we would. I hate to say that. They're looking at the physical. They're saying, all he is screaming is send me out a man. And they're saying, I don't have no sword. I don't have no spear. How can I defend myself against an enemy when I don't have a weapon? And literally what David was saying to them, we have a weapon. You're not realizing what it is. Our weapon is, is our God. And they're saying, no, we need a sword. And, but the Bible later says, and at the end of this, but there was no sword in the hand of David. And, but I'm telling you, it is hard, hard to be in a fleshly nature and to be put in that situation because literally, you, if, if you're right-handed, you want a sword in your right hand because I don't know, I really don't know the courage it must have took for David to do that. Now, David wasn't even old enough to be part of the conflict, but he still went out there. And literally, the Bible talks about David watching uh, the sheep, and literally when he goes and he stands there, and he says, choose you out of man and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then we shall be your servants and, and, and serve us. And, and ye shall be our servants and kill us. Now, that is no light feat. If I kill you, David, all of Israel is going to serve us. And, I mean, that didn't even slow David down. You know, that didn't even slow him down. And he's, he's looking, you know. But what really, where David trying to turn him around? And I've heard people, you know, sort of make the joke where David said, when they talked about the rewards. And now tell me what he, he said again about the rewards. But read that through. David said, the king has made this about rewards. It's not about the reward. It's about what he's barking against. He's barking against our God. It's not about the reward. It's about standing up who we believe in. That's what it's about. And David said, quit thinking about the reward. And because you can live here without paying taxes, that's not what it's about. And so David was trying to tell him, he said, you know, and then David tells him, or David keeps, you know, he went to his brothers and they just chewed him up, spit him out. So David turned to somebody else. And then finally somebody went and told King Saul, said, look, we got a guy out there. I don't know if they told him a boy or a kid or somebody that's saying, at least he's saying the right things. And I don't know what it must have been like when the, in March this little old, lad and here's big old Saul and he really you want to go fight Goliath yeah where's your resume well you know when I was watching them few sheep them uh, yeah a lion and a bear came out and and um the God he's talking about protected me and he's going to protect me now because he gave me 
the authority to overcome them. In fact, the lion turned on me. And that's when God anointed me to kill him. So he's going to anoint me to kill this. He's just going to be another one, another enemy to overcome. And then here, here is the one thing that's really hard to get a hold of. But to me, in the Bible, it makes it clear how far Saul had went. It's when Saul tried to take his armor and his sword and put on David. How, you know, Saul was so big. And it's almost like the videos you see a kid trying to put on something of his father's and he's just stumbling around, you know. How ridiculous could it look? And even David knew it was wrong. Said, you know what, I, David, you know, just told him, I hadn't proved these, you know. I can't do this. And that's why it is so important when our backs is against the wall, don't make no rash decision then. David used what worked. And you, you know, as, as, as preachers and, and people that has went through situations before, they say, you know, when it comes to prayer and getting this Bible and listening to godly wisdom and, and godly people, now's not the time to change. When, when you're really facing a Goliath, listen, go with what's proven. So David is there and he said, look, I hadn't proved this. This is totally foreign to me. So he's out there and he's looking and, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know what it must have looked like. But all I do know is that when Saul tried to arm him, David just said, this is not right. This is just not right. I can't go out there, and I just can't go out there. So there's always going to be times when our nature is going to look and see, really, look what this looks like, and then look what I look like. It is going to be, but it just may be that something that God has put there just to give us the strength to go through it. And it just, we don't never know. We don't never know. And But the thing of it is, here is David. He's took some, I think it was parched corn and bread to his brothers and some cheese to the captain. And then he gets ridiculed by his brethren. And one point on that, that I don't really understand to a point. The Bible says that when Samuel went, all his brethren was made to pass before Samuel. Samuel says, these is none of this. Oh, by the way, I got the one watching them few sheep. Bring him in. And then the Bible says that Samuel anointed him in front of his brethren. So they're there now. And then the Bible uh, makes reference in that scripture that Samuel went back to Ramah. Ramah or ever how it's referred to. Now that just means Samuel went back home. He just, okay, he's anointed. He wouldn't install king at that point. But the thing of it is, his brothers had to know he was the prophet, that something was going on with this boy. And then his brothers, the eldest brother, 
said, I know the naughtiness of thy heart. I know your pride. Really? The prophet comes to your house and anoints him, and now you want to talk trash? I wonder what happened to him, the eldest brother, when he come out of the valley with the head of Goliath. You know, David, there's something I need to say. (laughs) He probably had a whole change of heart because he really talked trash to David. And that's when the Bible says, when he was saying that to David, David literally turned to someone else and started saying, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? It's what the guy's doing. So he took and David said, look, we have got to do this for Israel and the Lord. And it's not about just taking and doing everything. And so David ran toward him, put his hand in the bag. He got the sling. And you could really, really make the argument, could David, and I've heard about the shepherds all the time that they spend, you know, out there practicing and, and everything. Could David did that with his own natural ability? Running, I don't know. I don't know. All I do know is I believe that what God required is for just what David did. To believe in him, to have his sling, to put a stone in it, and just sling it. And I believe God took it from there. Now that's just me. And sometimes we... We just want to, you know, we want to pinpoint it with a laser. Like, God, this needs to happen. You know, it needs to go to this point right here. And God is just believe. Just do it. You know, and we're saying, no, there's no way I can hit this, this target while I'm running. And God is saying, there's no way you're going to hit it from the sidelines. And we just, <clears throat> we just think, you know, in natural terms, and I can't do this. And could David did it? I don't know. I really don't know. But I think that David just, I think God anointed him. And he believed what he was saying, and he ran, and I literally believe it's just me that God took it from there. Now, but he had the confidence to believe it. Now, but like I say, there's no telling the hours that David had spent practicing on using that sling and developing that. But I will say this, there's probably no way that David would have believed that one day he would face a giant. And... There's no telling where we will be and what we can overcome if we will only believe God. And it's, it's just, God literally wants us just to believe his word. That's why stories like this, if it's just a story, then we've lost it. We've lost the true meaning of it. 
But if it's something that we can use to gain hold of, to give us strength and direction, then its true meaning has come effect. I believe this in its entirety, just the way, just the way it's written. It literally happened. But to us now, we can apply it spiritually to what comes into our life. And David told him, said, look, the reason I think I can do this is, as we would say, the reason I think I can go on is for what's happened to me in the past. God hadn't left me. He is still here. He's helped me in situations that I didn't see no way out. He hadn't left me yet, and I don't foresee him leaving me in the future. He's gave me strength, you know, and in fact, um, David did ridicule him a bit because when Goliath come out, he said, am I a dog? And dog has different meanings, but mainly I, I, I would tend to lead that he meant a barking dog. So Goliath uh, had been there 40 days. So I believe David, here again, it's me. I believe David said, you ain't doing nothing but barking. But it's the one you're barking at that we're going to put a stop to it. And so, and as far, I mentioned the Smiths a while ago. There was no blacksmiths. When David was put in as a king, that stopped too. David put the blacksmiths back. Now, I'm, I'm serious. Now, when we reflect and see, that's why, you know, <clears throat> it is said so much that we can't live on the past, but we better not forget the past because we can gain the strength just like stories like these, David and Goliath stories, um, of what they've done for us to give us strength for the future situations that come. And it was, now, it was literally, who would have picked David to fight Goliath? No one. No one. And you think, Lord, why does it always have to be this way? <laughs> No one would have picked David. You know, you're in a situation and, you know, you need something done and there's, you know, you think there should be one option and there's 890. Really? Lord, help me. God hadn't went nowhere. You know, here's this little old lad. It is just hard to fathom sometimes. You're going to take on Goliath? And not only that, God's going to help you win. You are going to win. And this is just, it is unbelievable when you look at it from a fleshly mind. God really did. And what is really unique is the Bible says that David ran towards Goliath. You know, Goliath was big. And one thing I find unique, it talks about his armor bearer. I don't really know what happened to his armor bearer. I guess he fled too. Um, but the Bible talks about how big his shield was, but we don't read nothing about his armor bearer. I guess when he hit the ground... 
His armor bearer hit the ground running too. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I just I'm speculating. I don't really know because the Bible really doesn't say that much what's happened to his armor bearer. I don't really know. <clears throat> he was big. <clears throat> and he talked about what he was going to do to David. How he was going to feed him. And, you know, some people find it. In our society, you know, where David stood upon him and the Bible said he took his sword and took off his head. But it's really about control. Because if you take, if you control the head of someone, you control them. So spiritual wise, God is saying, he come to him, he said, you you came to me with that, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And this day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take thy head from thee. And I will give thy carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. So he did that. David literally did that and then at the act of this of David this little old child so to speak following the will of the Lord Israel had a mighty victory that day and when they seen their champion was dead they literally hit the road they ran they ran now there's going to be moments like this to us when at times you know there just seems like there's no way to win literally I mean they're not easy for us you know we think um, okay David's out there he's watching the sheep and animals come that's just there for one purpose and that's for taking a sheep and so David's out there by himself so it ain't like he can call for help He's out there alone. And then I don't know what he must have felt when he faced Goliath. Because there was people everywhere. You know, on, they was in the valley and there's people on both sides. But one thing for sure, our ability, so to speak, when it comes to our enemy, is not in the natural. It's in the spiritual. And sometimes we want to place everything in the natural ability. But our, who we face, is a spiritual realm. And no one, no one would have predicted David being a hero that day. And it is just unbelievable what David did. It is truly remarkable what David did. And when you read, when you go on and then you see what happens in David's life after this, I wonder, and then what Saul did to him after this, I wonder how many of the Psalms was written with David out there hiding from Saul. Now this is after he's killed Goliath. And the jealousy of Saul 
pushing David, trying to take his life. And Saul out there tormenting, so to speak, David and David hiding. And he is saying, deliver me, O Lord, for them that persecute me. I don't know. I don't know how many he could have written. But David, that day, truly did a mighty thing at the following of the Lord. And us, literally, the promise we have is when we will believe against all circumstances, God will help us and strengthen us. And it's not just, it's not just a lesson of a little guy and a big guy. It's applying our faith unto God. Because he's told us, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. If you believe me now, I'll do it just as I did then. And I thank him for it. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's pray. God, I love you, Jesus. I love and I thank you, holy God. And I praise you this day. I thank you that you are the same forever and ever. You change not. Touch us this day. Strengthen us, God, with the fortitude, Lord God, that we will never give up. I ask you to anoint us and strengthen us, Lord God. Touch us this day, God, I pray. Strengthen each and every one of us through your holy word, I pray. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.